Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown. On this episode, it'll be a quickie. I am going to be doing this one solo. Uh, it's 3.59 local time in the morning as I record this one. It's going to be an MLB playoff preview with the wild card series round set to begin Friday morning, central time. It's not going to have a, much time to get this one out there, so going to get this one done on my own. But before I give you my thoughts on not only the wild card round, but give you my picks for the remainder of the postseason, I want to do a quick full circle on the regular season, give my final thoughts on that. So let's start with surprises. How about the Baltimore Orioles? The Baltimore Orioles are here, I think, to stay. I think they've arrived. You know, nobody, I think, expected them to be in the position that they were, which was three games back of the final wild card and the only chance of getting of there being a toss-up in or some drama down the stretch for one of those wild card spots. Uh, and the Orioles are the ones that were the last, first team out of all teams. Uh, typically, they've been a dumpster fire in a rebuild, but they finally got the pieces in place and they started to put results out there. And they finish above 500 at 83 and 79. Like I said, three games back of the Rays for that last spot, not in last place in the AL East. Uh, you have to imagine if this team was in the AL West or the AL Central, they probably would have made the playoffs. But you could have said that probably the Rays too. They could have they would have had a better record. So I'm not gonna. And with the, the Blue Jays also getting a wild card spot. It's tough to say that for certain, but you have to love what you saw from the Baltimore Orioles this year. If you're taking your fandom aside, uh, it's a welcome sight to see the Orioles and Camden Yards excited about their baseball team. And with the young prospects that they have had in the works for it, them to finally start to not only be called up, but start to put in the results, they may only be a couple of pieces away from being a playoff team and maybe starting to contend here in the coming years. So that was one of my surprises. The other one, and this could also be labeled as a disappointment, but Josh Hader, what happened to this man? Bonafide all-star throughout his entire career having never posted an ERA higher than uh, above four in his entire career. In fact, in four of his first five seasons, he had ERAs sub three. And 2022 comes around contract year or going to be a contract year and gets off to a good start and then starts to really unravel. So Milwaukee, rather than pay him, trades him to San Diego. In his 37 games, 
appeared in for the Brewers. He had a 4-2-4 ERA. In San Diego, 7.31 with a 1.63 whip. Good Lord, what has happened to the, the phenom known as Josh Hader? That was something I did not expect to see was the just falling out of Josh Hader this year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can pick up the pieces and get back on track in 2023. Uh, he's still got a playoff run to go on with the Padres, but who knows in what role he will serve because the way he is playing, uh, he is anything but a sure bet to be the go-to man in the ninth inning for the Padres uh, if any safe situation should pop up for them. But those are my two big surprises. In terms of disappointments, it's it's got to be a team with the name Sox in it. How can it not be? I mean, as a Red Sox fan, you have you have these expectations that your team's either going to be really good or probably really bad. You hope for the former over the latter, and you hope that in a reasonable way that this team will at, at the very least be in the hunt for a playoff spot and find a way to squeak in to the postseason at worst. Well, wh- this was one of those years where they were in the conversation of the former and the latter. They were the latter. They were not good. You can call it what a product of playing in arguably the best division in baseball. You can call it a product of just the worst, some of the worst injury bug and injury-related issues you can dream of over the course of an entire season. Uh, But when all is said, it's still a last-place finish in the division. It's still a season where they finished below 500, 21 games back of the New York Yankees for first place. And with a lineup that was top five in the league, for their pitching to just come back and be so piss poor down the stretch, especially the bullpen. And by stretch, I mean like the entire second half. It, it was just, it just felt like July was when they should have known to sell. They didn't sell at the deadline and they kind of wrote themselves off from then and there. Sad part is they didn't tank, so they're going to get a mid-pick in the draft at best. And Bloom has got some serious work to do in the offseason with the Boston Red Sox. Will he bring back Bogarts? That's definitely going to be one of the big questions that Bloom and the Red Sox front office has to answer. And how are they going to address the pitching, especially in the back end of the bullpen. But they aren't the only Sox that had a disappointing year. The Chicago White Sox were also very, very mediocre. In fact, perfectly mid. 81 and 81 on the season. Uh, in, In similar fashion almost to the Red Sox, the White Sox were plagued by injuries from the start, and they never really seemed to get going all season long until I would say probably end of August 
early September where they started to close in on the division lead. But unfortunately for them, the Cleveland Guardians got disgustingly hot in September. I believe they finished like 25 and 5 or something like that down the stretch. And the the White Sox simply could not keep up. The Twins, who spent a good chunk of the season atop the Central, bottomed out completely and actually finished the same record as the Boston Red Sox. So you could honestly almost put the Twins in the same bucket, especially when they finish with a plus run differential. But, I mean, you look at Chicago, they were the defending Central Division champions and brought back essentially the same team, went out and got a couple of of new pieces, exchanged some pieces uh, in the offseason, uh, trading away the likes of Craig Kimbrell to bring in A.J. Pollock. And it just, they could never really find that rhythm, their stride, the lack of consistency, and the... <laughs> the the pain that Tony La Russa brought to Chicago White Sox fans uh, was the cherry on top. Luckily for them, La Russa has stepped down and they will no longer have to worry about that, but a disappointing season nonetheless. Player-wise, I don't even know if this is a disappointment because it was probably an expected scene, but if you haven't, Go look up Patrick Corbin's 2022 season pitching stat line for a guy that used to be a very capable and serviceable arm in a rotation in the big league level. And a guy that pitched deep into postseasons for a world series winner. The man has just completely fallen off the map. I don't think I have ever seen at least in fantasy terms a pitcher that pitched for the majority of the season he pitched 152 and two-thirds innings for the nationals this year granted a nationals team that was never going to be good and so the six and 19 win-loss record certainly expected but 210 hits allowed 107 earned runs 57 free pass or 56 free passes between walks and hit by pitches and only 128 strikeouts. That's good for a 6.31 ERA and a 1.70 whip. This man accrued 41 fantasy points over the course of an entire season as a starting pitcher who was in the rotation for a major league team 90% of this year, aside from a couple of injuries where he was on the aisle, I think once, maybe twice. That is, that has to be like historically one of the worst fantasy seasons. I think I can ever recall from a guy that was allowed to pitch that much. He averaged 1.3 points per start per appearance. If you will, that that's just mind boggling. But even then just, when you take a step back and look at it from a, a real world perspective, that stat line is just so crazy to see. It is such a fall from grace for, for Patrick Corbin. You look at this guy and 
Yeah, he's definitely had some struggles being consistently good. But, man, to see his struggles the last two, two and a half seasons with the Nationals, pretty much ever since the World Series run, it's 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 been tough. Tough to say the least. Now, before we get into my wild card preview, uh, I will say that in terms of the expanded postseason, it didn't really provide much in terms of excitement or drama late season for the playoff push itself, which I think is a small reason why you would expand the playoffs. More playoff spots means you should have more, potentially more, drama for more with more teams competing down the stretch. And instead, you still really didn't get that even with the extra pair of wild card spots. As most of the playoff races were decided days in advance and the playoff field itself on both sides was completely set two days before the season's end. So while I think the wild card round being expanded from just two wild card teams playing a do or die game to get the the final spot to play whoever had the team whoever had the best record amongst the division winners while i think that now ch- changing it to best of 3 series uh, and having between three wild card teams and the worst division winner i think that'll be i think it'll be better in the end but it just didn't provide that late season drama that maybe some had expected i think the wild card round itself will make up for that in spades so let's 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 talk about it let's start in the al first you got the al central cleveland guardians taking on the tampa bay rays the rays kind of limped to the finish line here they lost eight of ten to end their season but again no with no one really behind them able to take advantage they were comfortably the last team in Cleveland, obviously, I spoke about their hot play down the stretch, and they come in playing much better of late for sure. They have won 7 of 10. They also play much better, have played much better over the course of the season as a whole in one-run games than Tampa Bay, and they won the season series in the regular season. Tampa Bay, meanwhile, also has the worst road record of all the playoff teams, and the series is going to be entirely in Cleveland. So if you weren't aware, the wild card rounds are not is not only a best of three series, but the entire series is played in the ballpark of the home team, of the team with the better record. So Tampa is going to be in Cleveland for the entirety of this series. I think that spells doom for them. Yes, they still have the likes of... Shane McClanahan, who has been one of the best pitchers in baseball this year, as evidenced by the fact that he got the starting nod in the All-Star game. But he's going to be opposed by Shane Bieber. And I just think that the Guardians have a lot more pointing in their favor. They're playing better baseball of late. And... I think that spells doom for Tampa here. And I think Cleveland will actually make quick work of the Rays here. Uh, close games, don't get me wrong, but I I think Cleveland takes care of business here and they will win this series in two. 
In the other AL wildcard series, you've got Toronto and Seattle. This, I think, should be the better of the two in the AL. Seattle won five of the seven matchups in the regular season, including the final five meetings. But Toronto is the team with home field advantage here. Both teams definitely played well down the stretch. Winners 7 of 10. But I think the difference here is going to come down to Seattle hitting versus Toronto pitching. I say that because Toronto's hitting, they had the best bat team batting average in all of baseball. Meanwhile, Cleveland, on the other hand, or I'm sorry, Seattle, on the other hand, was number eight in ERA, uh, top 10 in baseball. And looks like they were sixth in the fifth, rather, in the American League. So I, I like the... I think those are the strong points for the team for sure, but it's going to come down to does Seattle get enough clutch hitting from an offense that struggled at times during the regular season versus Toronto. Could they get enough clutch situational pitching uh, when they allow runners on base? Are they able to limit the damage, prevent it altogether, or do they let things get out of hand? I'm going to say that Seattle will find a way to win this one in three. This is a team, not of so much of destiny, but a team that hasn't been in the postseason for over 20 years. And they celebrated their playoff berth like they had won the World Series. I think they understand what it means to go to the postseason. They may not have the experience, but they're playing well. And I think they want it more than anyone else. So I'm going to go and roll with the Mariners in three in this one. Flipping over to the National League side, we're going to talk St. Louis and Philly first. Neither of these teams come into this series playing their best baseball. That being said, the Phillies did win the regular season series four games to three. So Again, not really saying much there, but how can you not root for the Cardinals? You've got the trio of legends in Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, and Albert Pujols all potentially going out on their shields in what could be the final season for all three of them. It for sure is for Molina and Pujols. Not sure yet if that'll be the same for Wainwright. As well as the fact that they also have the top two likely top finishers in the NL MVP voting in Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. So there's a lot to like about the Cardinals. Their pitching has come into form, especially the rotation. Jose Quintana and Jordan Montgomery were huge trade deadline acquisitions that have been just so, so good for this team in the last two months. Montgomery did not allow an earned run, I think, until the end of August in a Cardinals uniform, including shutting out the Yankees in his Cardinals debut. And Quintana has been fabulous. He's got a sub one ERA in September. So and that's what I didn't even bring, bring up uh, the fact that they've got miles Nicholas and Jack Flaherty still kicking. So they've got plenty 
of options in their rotation, uh, not to mention a solid bullpen. So, yes, the Phillies are going to be scratching and clawing to push into the next round, get a crack at division rival Atlanta. But I really think that St. Louis has just too much in terms of destiny, and I don't think they're going to let Philadelphia trip them up on their way through the playoffs. So I like St. Louis to handle business in two. And that leaves us with the New York Mets and the San Diego Padres. I think this shapes up to be the best series on tap for the entire weekend. How can it not? Game one, you've got you Darvish versus Max Scherzer. That's going to be a phenomenal pitching matchup. Pitcher's duel almost for sure. You've got Blake Snell, who's been on fire for the Padres in the last month, month and a half. Jacob deGrom is still Jacob deGrom. He's struggled a little bit down the stretch here, but he was super hot when he came off the I.L. in August. You know he can find it and be turn things around and be the best pitcher in baseball at any given notice. So this is this is going to be shaping up to be a very, very fun series. I mean, the, we didn't. I haven't even talked about the ERA leaders for both of these teams. Joe Musgrove, sub-3 ERA and nearly 200 strikeouts for the Padres. Chris Bassett, 3-4-2 ERA and... 170 strikeouts for the Mets this year and over the course of the season, rather he did come over from the A's, but that's, I mean, this, this series is loaded with top end pitching. There's plenty of stars in the lineups between them. And I think it's fitting that they will be playing in prime time, pretty much the entire series long Give me the Mets here in three. I think this one will go the full three, but I don't think the Padres can steal this one away from the 101 win Mets. And so that's, those are my wild card picks. Let me rapid fire through the rest of the AL and NL and give you my world series champion. So in the AL, I have Seattle moving on to face Houston Houston tops dogs in the AL once again. I don't think Seattle is quite ready for the Houston Astros, who have been arguably the best team of the last five to ten years uh, in the American League, maybe even in all of baseball. Justin Verlander, sub-two ERA, uh, leading the AL pretty much across the board in all major categories. Returning from Tommy John, just amazing. Amazing stuff for him. Uh, Give me the Astros. Just too much. Too much for Seattle. They're not ready. And then the other one, Yankees versus Cleveland. The Yankees will be happy to see any, to see Cleveland over any of the other options here. Uh, Obviously, they don't want a dogfight with the Rays. Maybe they do. Who knows? But if they get Cleveland, which is what I foresee, I think they'll be able to handle business pretty swiftly here. They owned Cleveland in the regular season, and I would expect nothing less here in the postseason. So 
I would take the Yankees here to move on and set up an ALCS matchup between the Astros and the Yankees, which would be, I believe, the third time they have met in the ALCS in the past five or six years. And given the comments that these two front offices exchanged uh, in the spring training days this year, I would imagine that there would be a lot of fireworks potentially for that series. I would say the Astros would find a way to survive in advance to the world series. Trying to not be a Red Sox fan here and be biased against the Yankees. But it, with all that being said, the, the Yankees did kind of struggle big time in the second half. They did write the ship enough. They almost still won a hundred games, but they, they showed that they were vulnerable for a good stretch of the season. And I think that Houston just was on a tear pretty much from the third of season point onward. And they've just been a juggernaut. And I don't think that the Yankees have quite enough to firepower across the board. I think they've got one too many injuries in the bullpen. I don't think the starting pitching can hang with the Astros. And while they have the the pop, I mean, Aaron judge breaks the AL home run record. Yes. But I don't think they've got enough firepower across the board to be able to take down Houston. So I'll take the Astros to move on to the world series from the American league in the national league. I would have the Dodgers hosting the Mets. This would shape up to be another thrilling matchup. Uh, It would be a matchup between 100 win ball clubs. The Dodgers, it feels like they are on a war path. They won 111 games. They that's the third most, I think, in MLB history. And they are looking to validate still the 2020 championship run in the COVID shortened season. It feels like, and it's going to be tough because in my scenario, they're starting off that campaign with a Mets team that's going to be hungry and coming off a playoff series victory over a tough Padres team. So um, I want to say that the, the Dodgers will find a way to win this this series some way somehow they're the better they have easily the most talent of any team in baseball they have the best lineup in baseball and they figure out a way to piece together their bullpen and have one of the better rotations in all of baseball but they are also still kind of choking dogs when they're when there are fans in the stands they don't show up in the postseason but when the fans don't show up they do until that narrative changes for me, give me the Mets to upset the Dodgers in this NLDS series. Who will they take on? I think it'll be the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals will also pull a little bit of an upset here and they'll take down the NL East division winning Atlanta Braves. The Braves are the defending world series champions. They come in stupid hot. They've, I think they went 78 and 34 is what I saw 
from June 1st on when they called up Michael Harris the second and moved Spencer Strider from the bullpen to the rotation. They they've made all the moves that they've needed to make. It, it's it was tough to see them doing this when Freddie Freeman left, but like I said, they have made all the necessary moves. They've they've pushed all the right buttons and they went out and won 101 ball games themselves. That being said, like I said in my explanation for the St. Louis Cardinals winning in the wild card round, I actually think it still holds true here. I I I think that while the Braves have they hit the most home runs in all of baseball in the regular season, that that sure spells well for them, but they had their Cinderella moment last year. It is so tough to repeat. It hasn't been done in over 20 years. I don't think that they're going to be able to get out of the gates quick here with a series win already in the bag. I do like St. Louis here. I, and I just, I really think St. Louis is a team of death, the team of destiny this year. So I think that that team is going to be playing, leaving it all on the floor. I don't think that the pressure will get to them of disappointing though. They're, the legendary trio. I like the Cardinals to move on and set up a matchup with the Mets. Now, uh, again, I don't want to root for a New York team. The New York team is probably better than St. Louis, but I'm going to go with my, my gut and my heart here and say that some way, somehow St. Louis is going to find their way to get Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina and Adam Rainwright to one more world series before they go out, which means Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado and co will also get their first trip to the world series where I would say Houston will be waiting for them. This feels like almost a David versus Goliath situation. And this is where I think St. Louis's magical season comes to an end in disappointing fashion. I think the Astros just have, Far too much going for them. They have everything that you need from a team to win a World Series championship. And they've got easily the most playoff games of anyone over the past five or six years. So I'm going to say that Houston wins the World Series over the St. Louis Cardinals in six games. And that is going to be my... Final thoughts on the playoff for the MLB. Make sure you stay tuned for our next episode, whatever that topic will be. Uh, But that's going to do it. So until next time, we'll see you.